Well, we are in week 10, and we're going to finish this series called Thrive. Everybody say Thrive. And uh, I normally will only do a series for about six weeks, and I just felt really impressed and led to take this on out to a full 10 weeks. Uh, this could go on and on and on, and I'll share some things about that in a moment, but, but today is very important. We've got a lot of ground we're going to cover, and then we're going to in service in kind of a little bit of an unusual way today. And uh, so y'all listen fast because I'm going to be talking fast, okay? Let's begin here in Psalm 92, verse 12. And we've read this now. This will be our 10th week on this, but make it brand new for you. The righteous shall flourish or thrive like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish or thrive in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Don't you want that? To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. How about an amen for God's word this morning? And then in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 and 8, these are the foundational verses right here for this church. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree. Now notice the imagery continues here of of what God is picturing for us how to thrive. He shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green and will, be not, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. And then again, the, the metaphor continues. Psalm 1, uh, verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now, what this is showing us is this picture that we can all relate to of God wanting us to thrive. And the first line that we have to cross over in our thinking is the reality that God does want us to thrive. Because most things in life are pushing you down, holding you back, and so forth. And you need to know that God is wanting you to thrive. This is not one particular area of your life. This is you as a whole thriving. This is not about perfection. This is about thriving. You can do that even in the desert or on the dung heap. But God is wanting your life to thrive. And here's the thought that we need to get the first line here. God does not want us to just survive. He wants us to thrive. And as we've talked about now, this is our 10th week, there are reasons why you would thrive or not thrive. Just like a tree would be healthy or not healthy, there would be reasons for that. You could, you could look, you could analyze. There's either a root problem or some kind of surface problem or both. And so for us, there are things that we do or don't do. This is not luck of the draw. Let's not just throw it up in the air. This is the reality that if we cooperate with God, that's huge. If you cooperate with God, you're going to thrive. If you don't cooperate with God, I just have to say it to you this way, good luck. And you say, well, I see some people not not cooperating with God and they're thriving. And the Psalms talks about them. The psalmist said, look at them right now, they're thriving, but tomorrow they'll be mowed down like the grass of the field. They'll wither like the flower of the field. And so, and it's not that we're wishing bad for anybody, but listen, don't be confused for a moment that I can ignore God and I can do what I want and I can thrive because I'm seeing some other people thrive. They're not serving God. It is short-lived. It is short-lived. And never confuse thriving with just, you know, people have finances or a fancy car or, you know, got a new hairdo or whatever it would be. You know, don't, don't, 
don't say, well, that, that means they're thriving. No, thriving is a big, big, broad term. And let me just tell you, God wants you to thrive and you'll want to thrive. Amen? Now, let me real quickly and hopefully without much comment here, give you the list of what we've covered, of ways we cooperate with God. First is the mindset that we have of understanding that God does indeed want us to thrive. Then we talked about our bucket. Do you remember that? And the bucket is figurative of what, what fills you, what fills your bucket, joy and energy and life. What fills that? You know what fills that and you know what drains that as well. And the number one bucket filler, if I can say that, is to connect with God. And we encourage you that every day that you have unrushed time with Jesus, unrushed conversation with Jesus every day, and that will help you stay centered up. You won't thrive without that. We also saw in Psalm 92 that it's the righteous that thrive. It's the righteous, those that are in a right relationship with God and out of that relationship do the right things. We also saw that those who are planted in the house of the Lord, it's a commitment to the meeting of God's people. They too shall flourish. You have to steward your time. If you waste time, you're not going to thrive. That's an area that you'll, you want to look at and we looked at in this series. You, you need to serve And we serve God. One of the main ways that we serve God is by serving people. Also the Holy Spirit, the presence and the help of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Gratitude, that you're aware of gratitude, that you're not just desensitized or or, uh, entitled, but you're aware, you feel gratitude and you express gratitude. Last week we talked about the three biggies, sin, cares, and wounds. All of those must be dealt with. And if you missed any of those messages, they're available for you free online in numerous ways that you can watch them, listen to them, read them. Uh, We have it CD form. Uh, Again, if the price is right and food's involved, I'll come preach it to you, okay? And then there are other things that we could have hit, and and, uh, perhaps in another setting we will, that would tie right in with this. Uh, Ways that we cooperate with God, things that we need that would help us to thrive. The favor of God, and the favor of God makes incredible difference. Consistency, your friends and companions, seasons of life, being aware of your seasons. You've got to read life through seasons, And then not getting stuck in a season would be important. Having an undivided heart, undivided focus for God, knowing the power of prayer, knowing the value of endurance, and we could go on and on, and these are ways and things that would help you to thrive. Everybody say thrive. Well, today I want to share with you three more biggies as we wrap this up, and we're going to move kind of quick on this. But uh, three biggies. Here we go. Three biggies. The first one is faith. Everybody say faith. The second one is hope. And the third one might be what? Love. Faith, hope, and love. These three, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about. Now, the opposite of these are certainly present in our world, in our life today. Let's look at those real quick. The opposite of faith then would be unbelief. And that often it has an ugly stepsister too called fear that's related in there. The opposite then of hope would be despair. Despair. And then the opposite of love would be hatred. And so these three will overcome faith, hope, and love. And if there's ever a day, listen to me, if there's never a day that there needs to be some people walking around thriving, some people that are carrying as a part of their life faith, hope, and love, it needs to be us and it needs to be now. 
And I want to make, make a commitment to you, and this has always been our commitment. Every time you come to Meadowbrook, every time you participate in anything connected with Meadowbrook, be it a small group, a serve week, uh, a dream team, services, whatever it would be, we are committed to helping to feed your, your faith, your hope, and your love. So today, just coming, we're helping to feed your faith, your hope, and your love. And it's important. These things are massively huge. And you can see why because of the state of our world today. Amen. Let's go ahead and look here in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13 in the New Living Translation. It says, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And listen to it in the message paraphrase. It says, trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly. Love extravagantly. And the best of the three is love. I like the way that's worded. So let's go ahead and look at faith. Faith. And I'm going to do just a brief treatment on each of these. Everybody say faith. Faith ultimately is this. It's trust. It's persuasion. It's, I'm fully convinced of something. And for us as believers, what, what faith is, is, is I have my trust and I'm fully persuaded in God, in his character, in his promises, in his ability to fulfill his promises. That's what faith is. Here's a couple of things about faith. Faith without works is, it's not just weak, it's dead. Faith without works is dead. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God, Romans 10, 17. You're not going to have faith. There's no substitute for reading God's word. You have to have God's word in, in your life. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then Faith is the victory that overcomes this world. If we're going to overcome, if we're going to not just survive, if we're not going to languish, if we're going to thrive, you're going to have to have faith as a, as a part of your life. So faith also says this, God, I believe in you. I believe you. I believe you're able. And don't miss this part. And I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And see, a lot of people with their, uh, their grasp of faith is God is some kind of giant vending machine or something. And, uh, you know, he's going to do this for me and he's big and he's awesome. But I, I think we, we, we fail big time if we don't include this in God, I'll do whatever you show me to do. And that's why we end up doing things by faith and, and God always honors faith. Question for us this morning is this, where is faith? We've talked about what is faith, but where is faith? And, uh, just the, for the benefit of time here, let me tell you where faith is. Okay. Faith is in two places. It's in your heart and it's in your mouth. Okay, it's in your heart and it's in your mouth. Now, we, and we may do this some in, uh, in 2015. Can you believe we're almost 2015? Are y'all here? Okay, because it, it looks like I'm having more fun than you. And, you know, <laughs> okay, I want y'all to play along, okay? So uh, faith is in two places, but we find throughout Scripture there's this heart-mouth connection that go together. Uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the, the mouth speaks. Uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my, my rock and my redeemer. It's just all over Scripture, the connection between your heart and your mouth. And that's where faith is. And when, we, when they work together, something's going to happen here. Look here in Romans chapter 10. In Romans 8, 9, 10, the treetops... The very treetops of the New Testament right in here. Powerful stuff. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of 
faith which we preach. Verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the greatest miracle going. All right. And then verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And if that's how you get the greatest miracle of all salvation, it's when you get your heart and your mouth together. Faith is in your heart and faith is in your mouth. Then look at this in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith. Let me stop on that just for a moment. Jesus said in John 6:63, it's the spirit that gives life. Now there he's referring to the Holy Spirit, but I would submit to you, it's always the spirit that gives life. You know, you have a spirit, you're a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. And once your spirit leaves your body, what happens to your body? It dies. So it's the spirit that gives life for anything. Now notice this, you want your faith to be alive. And so the spirit that gives life to faith, this is the spirit of faith. According to what is written, I, what believed and therefore I spoke. Now I believe you believe where in your heart and you speak with your mouth. I believed and therefore spoke. We also what believe and therefore speak. What do we speak? What we believe now, first service, I said, and what do we speak? And some people said, the word of God. And, and that's, that's the Sunday school answer. That's the right thing. But you don't always speak the word of God. You speak what you believe. Hate Mondays. Mondays are crummy. Today's going to be no different. You believe it. You know, but the danger and the tragedy would be is that you're pouring the God, God's word into your heart. Remember in Psalm 119, it says, how's a young man going to keep his way pure? It's by giving heed to God's word. And he says, your word I have hid in my heart that I won't sin against you. And so we, as we put God's word in our heart, so we're putting God's word in our heart. Here's the important thing now. Keep your heart and your mouth together. So if you're believing for one thing, don't be speaking something else. And, and we are unified in our faith, getting the two parts of faith together. Faith in our heart, faith in our mouth. And when you keep them together, it's going to help you to thrive. So we go from faith, now let's go to hope. Everybody say hope. Hope, and again, I'm going fast and y'all are listening fast, so we're, we're doing good here. Hope is expectation. Hope is a desired end. Hope is something very desirable. It is related to courage. It's related to encouragement. And it's important that we have hope if we're going to thrive. And I want to put it this way, and I'm not trying to cheapen anything at all, but some of y'all are old enough, you'll remember this. Everything's changed so much. But when I was growing up, we had the Sears Wish Book catalog this time of year. How many of y'all are with me on this? Uh, Wasn't that awesome? You know, and I just would pour through that. You know, look at that, I want that, I want that, I want that. You wanted everything, you know. And I'm, you know, a Superman suit. And Marvo the Mustang and, and just, just, I just saw all those things and you just wanted those things. You know what it did actually? And it's not greed, 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 greed. It was hope, 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 hope. And can I tell you something not to cheapen it at all? But this is, this is God's catalog. And just like you would sit and pour over that catalog and man, I want that in my life. I want that in my life. You need to do the same thing with God's word. And you know what it's going to do? It's not only going to build faith, it's going to build hope on the inside. And you're going to get a picture of it. 
You'll be able to get a picture of it just like those catalogs and begin to see it. And that's what, that's what hope and faith do together. Now look at this in Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts, and this is what he intends towards us. Remember, he's the one who wants you to thrive. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a and a hope. Note there that your future is tied to your hope. Your future is tied to your hope. What kind of future do you hope for? It's very important that you keep hope alive and very, very bright and colorful. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold fast. That means you are not going to get this away from me. And the world and the devil and circumstances will try to pry that out of your little hands, but you're not getting this from me. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. This is what you have to know. Our basis for hope is grounded in God's promises. So again, that takes us back to, to God's word. My hope is the hymn, hymn writer says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Hebrews 11.1, 1, very uh, famous faith verse. I want to turn it for hope here though. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I don't have it yet, but, but get this here. Because we're talking about hope right now, but it's faith, hope, and love. But substance of things hoped for, you must have hope because hope, you with me? Because hope gives faith something to do. Hope gives faith something to build Hope is the, is the creative part. Hope is the architect. And faith is the builder. And your faith is going to build what you are conceiving. What you are planning and drawing on the inside. So it's important that this is so healthy and based in God's word. Because hope as an architect gives faith the builder something to build and give substance in your life and bring it into the scene hope gives faith something to build and something to work with in your life and i'm not rapping or rhyming but if you're going to thrive you got to keep hope alive i might just rap now nah, we got to keep moving faith hope and love And this is the agape, Greek word agape love. It's the God kind of love. This is the pure love. This is unconditional, powerful love. It's God's love for us and to us and in us and through us. This is not the limited, human, selfish kind of love. This is the love that 1 Corinthians 13 says never fails. It never fails. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, watch this. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love him because he... Because first love us. He primed the pump, okay? None of us, go back to that verse if you would. We, no, 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 back, back. Verse nine, there we go. We love him because he first loved us. None of us were so spiritual and had it together and just, I love God because I'm just that way. No, you love God because he first loved you. He, you were bankrupt in love. And then he poured his love into us, the scripture says. And because of that, we're wired this way. He loved us, we love him. We're wired that way with one another. That's why you've got to be good to one another. We're just wired that way. I'll prove it to you. I won't go into the whole story right now, but I've told you. I'm in the lunchroom in sixth grade, and a girl came over to me and said, Beth likes you. And I said, I like Beth. Which one is she? 
We're wired that way, okay? Let's keep going. If someone says, I love God, well, why do you love God? Because God loves you. I love God and hates his brother. He is a liar. Keep going. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Did you all hear that? If you don't love the people you can see, how do you say you love God who you've not seen? And this is the commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Okay, well, here's our out, maybe. He said, love his brother. So maybe we're just talking about family. Well, we are, but not just family. Well, he's just talking about our brothers and sisters in the Lord and the family of God. Now you've got their act together a little bit more. Well, he is. He is talking about that. But Jesus comes along and tags something onto that. And he says, uh, you've heard it said this and this. He said, but I want you to love your, your enemies too. So now I'm like protesting. God, this list is getting really long. Okay. So I just want to simplify the list of who it is that we're actually supposed to love. Here's what it is. We just make it simple for you. We only have to love the people that God loves. Bless you. Love you. Um, We only have to love the people that God loves. But we must love our brothers and we must even love our enemies. In Acts 17, verse 26, in the English Standard, it says this. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Listen, in the beginning, you ready for this? In the beginning, we were all one. And then in Genesis 1:26, it says that he made all of us. Everybody say all of us. He made all of us in his likeness and in his image. And so, and then he wants us to love one another. And you say, well, this is really hard. But let me tell you, we are all made. Every person you know is made in the likeness and the image of God. Now that image and likeness has been distorted and it's been eroded in some ways. But listen, it's still there. I said it's still there. And so every person, this is just personal way that I want to walk and I want to encourage you to walk. If they're made in the likeness and the image of God, I love them. If you're made in the likeness and the image of God, however distorted or eroded it may be, I love you. I love you. And that's what God's wanting from us. Can't do it with our own love, but we can do it as we release his love. You know, some people are easier to love than others. Come on. And you're thinking of yourself right now. (laughs) No. (laughs) Some people are easier to love than others. and, And then the others... They just need more love. (laughs) Reality. That's what they need. And when we walk in strife and discord and division, we open the door for the devil. But when we choose to walk in love, we close the door on the devil. Thank God for his love, for faith, hope, and love. Let me take just a moment here. Our nation is in crisis right now. And there are a whole lot of issues, a whole lot of issues. And this morning, I'm, I did not come to make commentary on it. I just came to remind us of a few things. Progress, get this, progress is usually preceded by crisis. And I told you right now, our nation, our society is in crisis. 
But guess what? We have a chance of progress. Progress is usually preceded by crisis. By crisis. I'm praying and I'm believing and I'm prophesying too that we're going to see new leaders and new voices begin to rise within communities all over. New, new. And I want to say this. We can do better. Let me back it up a little bit. I can do better. You can do better. We can do better. It starts with us. It starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with the church of the living God. And the first and the biggest key is this kind of love that I'm talking about today. There's an old song, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. But not the sappy, just emotional, romantic love. All that's good and has its place. But the love of God, that's what the world needs. And the cross is the great equalizer. And love seeks to close the distance between. And God said, love one another. And that's the key. Now, shifting gears real quick, behavioral psychologists say that we all need hugs. Hugs is, it's a squeeze It's an expression of affection. They say that we need three a day just to survive. Three hugs a day to survive. Six to maintain. Nine to make progress. And 12 hugs a day to thrive. So before we close this service today, (laughs) hold on. We're going to hug. Wait, 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 wait. You got to listen to me fully here. And then don't leave when we're done hugging. I have a few things to say before we finish, okay? Now, hear me. I want you to get... We're going to take three or four minutes of sermon time for you to hug because I want you to thrive and because it's important right now. But listen to me. I want you to get at least half your daily load to thrive, okay? And I want you... And and I'm not messing with you here. I want you to get at least three hugs from somebody totally unlike you. So if you're old, you get the point. If you're young, if you're red, yellow, black, or white, I want you to hug at least three people that look nothing like you. And and don't miss this, please, 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 please. Keep it holy. Yeah, I I don't want to see a line of guys over lined up for some beautiful young lady (laughs) or a whole line of girls lined up for some hunky guy okay this is not that this is holy and you say well i'm not really a hugger well maybe you should be okay and we're going to take three four minutes i'm going to come down and do it too and i don't want you to do just nervous laughter (laughs) I, i i want you to release Release and receive the love of God over these next few moments. Would you do it? Stand your feet. Don't leave yet. Don't leave yet. And go ahead and do this.
All right, all right, all right. Does that feel good? Go ahead and be seated if you would. Some of y'all are saying, man, I'm coming back to this church. Others of y'all are saying, I ain't never coming back here. All right, listen to me as we wrap that up. Ten weeks coming down to this moment. God does not want you to just survive. He wants you to thrive. And that's not going to go uncontested. And that's not going to happen just automatically. We must cooperate with God. I've done my very best for 10 weeks to lay out some easy to grab ways that you can cooperate with God. And as you do your part, hear me on this, as you do your part on this, God is going to help you in some amazing ways. And and we're sunk if we don't have the help of God anyway. But as you cooperate with him, he's going to help us in some amazing, amazing ways. So that you and I can thrive. So that we could be happy, stable, fruitful, blessed. So that we can be a blessing and bring glory to God. Listen, the world around us needs to see somebody thriving. Not somebody faking. Not somebody just getting rich or this or this or that. They need to see real deal people thriving. And it begins with us. And it begins with thousands of churches across our country today and communities today. And then they'll start to connect the dots and say, what is it about these people that are carrying faith and hope and love? They'll see that it's God. And the world needs to see people that are truly thriving, truly carrying faith, hope, and love. Not weird and religious and self-righteous and weak and out of touch but truly carrying faith, hope, and love. So I say this to you. For God and his kingdom, for you and your household and your lineage, and for the world that's desperate around us, go and thrive. In Jesus' name. Amen.